1: Welcome to Three Yards Per Carry, a podcast covering the Miami Dolphins and the NFL. Now, here's your hosts, Chris, Alf, and Simon.
0: And welcome to Three Yards Per Carry. I'm Alfredo Arteaga. I have Chris Kaufman here. I do not have Simon Clancy as he's making his way back home from Anfield after watching his beloved Liverpool FC come back from three goals down in the aggregate to score four goals today at home to move on to the UEFA Champions League final. I might as well be speaking Mandarin, right Chris?
2: Absolutely, I have no idea what you're talking about.
0: You have no idea what I'm talking about? Well, His team is playing in the Champions League semi-final and they were down three goals because you know they play like this aggregate system where they play two games. And
2: you you now lost me
0: at aggregate system. (laughs) Okay, well, they played two games, and then, you know, away goals are worth more than home goals. But in this case, it didn't matter because – What? Bar- yeah, ex- yeah, exactly. They played two games. Barcelona won 3-0. like the first NBA game. salary cap. Yeah. Well, no, actually, the NBA salary cap has gotten easier to digest over the years. There's no way. There's no way that's easy. <laughs> so, Barcelona basically won their home game 3 nothing. So, it's pretty easy. Liverpool needed to win 4 nothing today at home. And sure enough, they did, and they moved on. Uh, one of the greatest comebacks in the history of sports, and it's Simon's team, which is saying something because all our teams are, are garbage. Mm-hmm. Speaking of garbage, that Kentucky Derby, my God.
2: Yeah, I watched it. That's that was unfortunate. <laughs> that was uh, it was bad. Yeah, everybody was deflated afterwards. <laughs> Well, we don't have a
0: we don't have a Kentucky Derby champion.
2: We just don't. no, we don't. We just don't know. We don't really. I mean, they say you know, that 60, a horse
0: that was not interfered you know, with, did not cross the the finish line first, mm-hmm. is now the Kentucky Derby champion. Like yep, that that's that's just the truth. That's yep. like that's like if you score less points than your opponent in a playoff game, but they say you know what, mm-hmm. you're going to the AFC championship game. I am. Well. You know, we would take it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we would. Well, this week We'd on take, we, are, we would take
2: yeah. that are handed to us, all right? <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. I don't mind. I don't mind things being handed to me. Yeah, like you know. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know what
2: was you know what was nice is for anybody that had the sixty-two to one horse. I mean, that's. Yeah, my God, that was. <laughs> yeah. Did you see the exacto payoff on that?
0: Oh my God! But did you <laughs> see the the pick six payoff? Oh, I didn't see the pick six. What well, was, was crazy was that there was actually six tickets, I think, that paid out. Oh, really? Yeah, two hundred and seventy-one thousand dollars for twenty cents. Jesus. <laughs> yes. So simple that's math up. tells you it's over a million dollars for a dollar pick six. Mm. Okay. Man. So yeah, it was it was bad. Of
2: course, and of course, that's like a kind winning the lottery.
0: Basically, pretty much. Although you could, you could really, you know, it's you use your brain. You know, you're not really, you're not really just throwing out numbers in a pick six you use your brain to build the ticket i built a yeah. ticket that cost me hundred and seventy nine dollars and i hit four out of six okay well mm. oh, actually no i hit well i really did hit four out of six but they tell me i hit three out of six because the seven did not win the kentucky derby
2: this one of them got disqualified
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, yeah the yeah the the one in the kentucky derby maximum security got disqualified if not i would have hit four out of six and you don't get paid anything for four out of six. But if you hit five out of six, sometimes in the pick six, you get what is called a you – know, it's a consolation. They have and the weirdest it, names. And it could be something like you know, two grand, three grand, sometimes like that. So it's well worth it. But, yeah, I wrote something on Five Reasons Sports about it. Uh, hope, hopefully all you guys read it by now. Was, even Was it
2: just bitching it? about it? Yeah, basically
0: like, just me bitching about it. But I did put a disclosure in there that it did cost me money. so so before bear with me
2: i need to bitch about this for a minute
0: (laughs) yeah so yeah but basically the whole gist of it is uh the one war wills that was interfered with he put himself Mm. in that position to be interfered with he came off the rail inexplicably to contest the outside of maximum security and that's where he got interfered with But the reason he came off the rail is because the rail was absolutely dead. So it was the jockey that put himself in that position. So if Mm -hmm. anything, the one was the one who fouled everybody else, Mm -hmm. not the seven who was a length clear at that point. But anyway, enough horse racing, enough soccer, enough all this stuff. This week on Three Yards (laughs) per Carry, last week, I did a couple of polls and they got pretty big responses. And one of them was about Ricky Williams. And since then, a bunch of people have written about Ricky Williams, and they've credited us. And also, the Miami That's Dolphins nice Twitter account, oddly enough, put out a tweet talking about Ricky Williams' accomplishments in his career, which is, I wouldn't say ominous, because, mm. you know, although it is ominous if you don't could want be in the Ring of Honor. Could, yeah, it could be ominous to some people. <laughs> yes. But we ran a poll, and the question was really simple. Ricky Williams. Ring of Honor, yes or no? The results came back, I thought, kind of surprising. It came back 77% yes, 23% no. What were your thoughts on that?
2: I voted no immediately. <laughs> so, so nobody's more surprised than I am.
0: Okay, well, but, make uh, the case why he doesn't deserve it. Well,
2: listen, uh, I, I think he's a nice guy, uh, but
0: the fact and of the a matter. a Hallow- is- player, you got to say that too.
2: He was he was a hell of a player for one year for Miami basically 2002. He was pretty good also in 2008. You know he helped spark the whole Wildcat phenomenon, mm-hmm. and um and so but he did that 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 wasn't just him either. Like that was he and Ronnie Brown. There's like you can't you can't separate them.
0: Yeah, he, um, had, he had three 1,000 yard seasons here.
2: Yeah, I mean, well, yeah, three one thousand yard seasons, but like one of them is, one of them is the podcast name, three yards per carry. They just <laughs> they ran him into the, they ran him like four hundred times, and he, you know, of course he he crested a thousand yards, but I mean it, it was, it, so he had he had the one phenomenal year, of the year that we should have done something in the playoffs, except Jay Fiedler got hurt, Ray Lucas came and puked on his shoes, and and. We lost enough games that we couldn't get in the playoffs. We could have actually done some damage that year. We had some strong weapons, uh, certainly on defense. We had Ricky Williams running. Yeah, they had
0: the Dolphin team. That Dolphin team with two games to go, I'm sick of, like, repeating it, but with two games to go, had the one seed. And they were playing two teams that they were favored against, the Mm -hmm. Minnesota Vikings and the New England Patriots. And they were ahead in both games late. And they lost both games. Yeah, yeah and no, that team that's... had a top three defense and a top two running game. So, yep. yeah, you, you is it crazy that they make the Super Bowl? I don't think so.
2: Well, I yeah, it would have been crazy, but not, i think overall, but they could, have, they could have—they could have, they, yeah, but they could have done some damage in the playoffs. I don't think they make the Super Bowl with that team.
0: As a one seed, they—they they can't I, win two games at home. Just because
2: you're one seed doesn't mean I—they clearly weren't a one seed when they went ahead and you know pretty much at full strength lost those games. Yeah. I don't blame those last two games for what happened. What I blame is the previous games when Jay Fiedler, I think he missed something like six games, and the Dolphins kept trying to insist that Ray Lucas is actually a good backup quarterback. And, like, we swear he per- he performs well in practice and everything. But for the first I, – I forget how many, you know, games, whether it was first four games or whatever. He was just absolutely awful. And they lost uh, they lost, you know, some games – that they probably would not have lost if Jay Fiedler had not got hurt. And and so that's why – that, to me, is why they didn't end up getting the, going to the playoffs and making some noise. I don't think they were going to go to the Super But anyway, then Ricky Williams, that was the year he ran wild for us. The next year, he was three and a half yards per carry. It was three yards in a cloud of dust constantly. Um, I, I understand that the offensive line wasn't doing that well, but I, I understand that Ricky himself wasn't – necessarily doing all that well either and he retired immediately after because you know he felt that dave wants that was running in, into the ground i mean that has to be accounted for this 2004 thing where he just i mean and he could have given them time he could have given them time to um to to m- make some plans to deal with his absence
0: yeah it was an amb- ambush. to do it, it he chose ambush.
2: to do it as an ambush because he wanted travis henry to be the guy and so, that, like, that was him making a decision that wasn't – that shouldn't have been his call to make. And, uh, and it was a poor decision, by the way. And so, I mean, he really screwed that team over in 2004. I mean, there's no – make no bones about it. He screwed them over in 2004. He came back in, in 2005 and, um, for Nick Saban, and he, and he had a decent year. I remember that. Um, it was, but it was a decent year. And then he, he had the Wildcat year in 2008. And the, the the year after that, they they continued on a little wildcat. They still had a strong ground game under Tony Sperano. and he did have that that last you know 1,000 yard season. But is this is this Ring of Honor good? Is this? I mean, did he did he get us any glory really um, a, as a team? No, he didn't. Um, did he did he leave the team in the lurch? <laughs> you know, not yeah. a, a couple of times really. Yeah, yeah, he did. Um, you know, was was he basically after that first couple of seasons? Was he essentially just a role player? Yeah, yeah, he was. So I, I don't buy it. I, I, I just don't understand why he would be in
0: there. Like for us, for the for the Miami Dolphins. So what about his counting stats, which show he's only three hundred and one yards behind the all-time leading rusher Larry Zanka? and only three carries more. He's only five touchdowns away from Larry Zonka. He's number two in basically every category for a running back with a career 4.3 yards per carry average for the Dolphins. Like Those are pretty good numbers. Well,
2: they are pretty good numbers, except if you consider that for the, for, what was it, two decades plus, All we could do is bitch about how we do not have a ground game at all in in Miami. And Marino has nothing to – has nothing to compliment him. And so this was was a constant uh, concern and a constant uh, complaint for everybody for the longest time. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm sure he does have yardage that stacks up uh, well relative to those 70s players that were only playing how many games – you know and and so he um yeah he, he he did he does get up there, but that's just that's just a matter of the dolphins having two decades of basically a black hole of running backs uh and and that's not necessarily because Ricky was so awesome for the dolphins i mean I'm not against Ricky, it's just that i don't if if he's our ring of honor player,
0: then I don't know that I like what that says about
2: our franchise. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and, and as far as those numbers, if you look at Ronnie Brown's numbers, like mm-hmm. he's actually third on this list. Yeah. If you, look, I mean, if you look at Ronnie Brown's numbers, they're pretty damn good too. And his career was actually cut short by serious injury. So, very,
2: Yeah, definitely. Two thousand Was 2007 his last? No, 2008. He played 2008. Did he play 2009? He He did.
0: played with the Chargers and I think uh, one more team. I don't know who. Okay. I know he played one season with the Chargers. Mm-hmm but Ronnie Brown's numbers, you know, here in Miami, you know, also a 4.3 average. You know what he could do catching the football. Mm-hmm. And you know, he had 36 touchdowns in yeah. 76 games while Ricky Williams had 48 touchdowns in 93 games. So, you can make mm-hmm. the case that Ronnie would have caught him. I don't know about the yardage because mm-hmm. we're talking about 17 games difference and the yardage is about 1800 yards. But yeah, Ronnie what were, Brown's. What were Ronnie's
2: – did you say – what were his all-purpose yards here? He had, he had I don't 60, have
0: those in front of me, though.
2: 6,300, no. it looks like, 6,300 all-purpose yards. Yeah. Um, here. And another and, big one. Another big one. Ricky Williams
0: had 30 fumbles as a Dolphin. Ronnie Brown. Yeah, that's
2: true. He did. Yeah, he had 30 fumbles. That's right. Okay. Uh, he, was, Brown had he was always a big fumbler, and even going back to New Orleans. Yeah. Yeah, 13 fumbles for Ronnie Brown. That's correct.
0: Yeah, I think the, I think a lot of fans remember Ricky fondly. First of all, he did have, in my opinion, I don't know, like Marino's 1984 season is the best offensive season in, in team history. Mm-hmm. That's obvious. I would say Mark Clayton's 1984 season is probably second because he had 18 touchdowns receiving mm-hmm. and like 1,400 yards receiving. But is Ricky Williams' 2002 number three or is it number two?
2: In team yeah, yeah. we 're talking about twenty two hundred total yards yeah i mean it's it, yeah, it's, certainly, it's championship. certainly I think that single as far as single seasons go, I mean if you 're just appreciating single seasons you're absolutely right. his single season in two thousand and two would go as one of the greatest performances by any player for a single season ever in dolphins' franchise history. I just don 't think that that makes you a ring of honor player
0: now. While we move on from this subject, do you think that the Miami Dolphins Twitter account tweeting out his accomplishments is something or nothing?
2: I think it's something.
0: It does, right? It, like it smells. It feels <laughs> like it. Yeah. <laughs> it feels like it. Definitely. Like I run a poll. I'm not saying that the Miami Dolphins looked at the three yards per carry Twitter account. Okay. Mm-hmm. But I do, I am suggesting that the Miami Dolphins did look at dolphin Twitter, quote unquote, dolphin Twitter, all talking about it. When we started mm-hmm. by the way, i see them I, I could see them looking at all of miami dolphins twitter talking about it and them saying huh all right let's tweet this out because we're probably thinking about it mm. so i don't know i would say don't be surprised if it happens because i don't know i could just see it happen i see it happen it, enough it, kind could of it could be
2: it could be i i mean and i don't want to be the negative guy or anything. I mean, who knows? It might happen. And I, I do like Ricky Williams, but I, I just, you know, like I said, what but does that say about our franchise that that's Ring of Honor?
0: Yeah, but fair warning, fair warning. If Ricky Williams is eligible for, I, I, I do understand that he played more more seasons than these guys, but if he's if he's eligible for the Ring of Honor, so is Jarvis Landry, so is Jake Long. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And those are just facts. Which. Jake Which Mons made four, four pro here in Miami in four consecutive seasons. hmm Okay. And one all pro. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, that's, that's pretty, that's a pretty good four years. And Jarvis mm-hmm. Landry for, you know, Jesus Christ, the amount of catches he had as a dolphin. Sure. While he was here. You know, including one of the, one of the best receiving seasons in 2016. So yeah. If, if, if Ricky's eligible, those two guys are eligible. Yeah, what about – I mean, what about – where would you
2: put Rashad Jones relative to a Ricky Williams getting in the ring of honor?
0: Man, is I think what hurts Rashad is that he didn't play in any big games. Think mm-hmm. about it. He didn't even play in the playoff game that he was eligible for because he was injured. That game yeah. in Pittsburgh in the uh, in the cold that Matt Moore started, Rashad was not mm-hmm. on the field.
1: Yeah, I know <laughs> they had sucks.
0: Bakari Rambo take his place, okay, so I think what hurts Rashad, I think Rashad has been a very, very good player for the Dolphins. He started so, hundred and nine games for us. And zero playoff games. And yeah. zero memorable games that you can remember, like, oh my God. But I mean, really what is
2: what does Ricky ever accomplished for us either? Well, the rushing title,
0: you know, and he's an offensive player, so so people yeah, remember. Yeah, they,
2: get, they, get the, you know, they get the the advantages. I get it.
0: But you know. So yeah, I would say yeah, like Rashad probably deserves it, but he's not going to get it. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, I don't, you know, I don't.
2: Watch them put Ricky Williams in the ring of honor despite what he did in like 2004 and, you know, it's league violations and stuff like that. And then when it comes to the discussion about Rashad Jones, like people come out and start bitching about the, the game that he took himself out of with Matt Burke, you know, over a pissing match. Like, yeah. oh, well, I don't know if that's a Ring of Honor player. <laughs> I mean, that's, yeah. that's, that's that's what's going to happen. You just know it.
0: Yeah, that's probably, that's probably going to happen. Now, I'll, I'll give you another outsider for Ring of Honor, Troy Vincent. He might be commissioner here soon. So, mm. if he makes commissioner, does he get in the Ring of Honor? Just as that'd a lifetime achievement that'd award.
2: Be, you know, that'd be interesting.
0: Yeah. All right,
2: let's I'm move getting, on. You wanted to talk about – You know, I wanted to – I wanted to just mention that uh, Jason Pierre Paul of the Buccaneers, evidently, I want to see what you think of this idea, but Jason Pierre Paul of the Buccaneers, uh, evidently last weekend, he, or last week he got into a car wreck and it turns out that he has a a neck injury, um, like a fracture in his neck and he might need surgery, might miss the entire season. The Buccaneers drafted. I mean, basically, linebacker and DB, right? They didn't, mm-hmm. they
1: didn't
2: in the fifth round. They drafted a kicker, and they still had guys like Charles Amenahu and um and Justin Hollins on the uh, on the board. So they're they're definitely caught on this, and they've got some. I mean, I feel bad for JPP because he's a USF player. I'm a season ticket holder, and you know, I've always been a fan of his. Um, but the Buccaneers, I think, are they going to? go after Zeke Ansah we're going to talk about free and free agency later and if they are well there's a simple fact that they're like pressed so hard up against the salary cap that they can barely even or not like sign the rookies at this point so i'm wondering if Miami should like offer its serving, you know pimp pimp out their salary cap and <laughs> say you know hey we'll we'll sign we'll sign jay or we'll sign ezekiel ansah for you and we'll give him a signing bonus, or maybe maybe a short dated roster bonus, whatever it is. We'll give him we'll give him his 2019 compensation for you, and you trade for him immediately after we sign him, and then they get the player super duper cheap. We eat the salary cap for them, and they give us a they give us a like a day two pick next year. Like what? Like do you think the do you think the NFL would somehow just break that? That trade and say no, we're not going to go down this this road.
0: I think that they'll step in. I think they'll step in because I think that's a bridge too far. I think that's taking that's taking the strategy a little bit too far. I thought that I that's thought brilliant. that what the I thought what the Browns did with Mark mm. Osweiler was was that was illegal. Like like like, are you serious? Like you trading away real assets just to take up somebody else's cap space, and then you never play? It Brock happens Osweiler? all the time in the NBA, right? Yeah, it happens all the time in the NBA, but we've never seen it before in the NFL. And it's like supposedly it's like a gentleman's agreement, like we're not going to do this.
2: Yeah, well, the uh, well, we're doing Miami it already now. broke that. Miami already broke that. They did the exact same thing with Ryan Tannehill, yeah. so it's yeah. too late there.
0: Yeah, but at least we did get a fourth, although you know technically. Yeah, I mean, technically, <laughs> you know? yeah. But what do you think about this? Gerald McCoy is gone in a year. Mm-hmm. In a
2: year, you might. Well, they were gonna. They were saying maybe this year. But now yeah. it's like with JP and Jason Pierre Paul being out, they're like, I don't know, maybe, <laughs> maybe we should, uh, we should keep Gerald McCoy. But then again, can they, can they even keep, because they really, they really are caught here. They need cap space desperately. I, I heard there's something like $2 million under the cap and that's not enough to go ahead and replace Jason Pierre Paul. Certainly not enough to go after Ezekiel Ansah or somebody else. It's not even enough to sign the rookies uh, that they drafted. Um, so, you know, they might have to cut Gerald McCoy just to get the room to make up for the, you know, to, to get a replacement for Jason Pierre-Paul. So that so your one-year thing could be this year. It could be future. Example. Now, what do you
0: think of this? Because yeah, this kind of makes sense to me. Omar Kelly was proposing Rashad Jones to Tampa Bay for Gerald McCoy. They get a savings, mm-hmm. and which is hard to believe since, you know, Rashad makes so much money. But they get a savings. They get a good player. Mm -hmm. and they get a salary cap albatross off their books. And what do we get? We get open cap space at the end of the season.
2: I don't think they get enough savings on that. I think they need – I mean, they need – first off, like I said, they can't even sign their draft picks with what they've got. So they need savings just to even do that. And second, Rashad Jones ain't going to rush the passer for Jason Pierre-Paul. No. Um, so, so they need. I mean, what they they probably would want to do is say, no, I don't I have no interest in Rashad Jones. Uh, do you want Gerald McCoy or not? And if you do, then flip us a pick for him, so that um, so that they can take that money off their books and and maybe, you know, try and scramble and do something. Um, so we'll we'll see we'll see what happens. But that's an interesting guy to be available i'm not sure that miami would be interested period uh in gerald mccoy and that's my my opinion but um i, I don't know it's i i kind of like this i kind of like this idea of pimping out our salary cap for uh for for the other team and, and taking a draft pick for it i know i don't know if the league would step in or not but sign in trades happen you know that's that's that is something that happens. Trading somebody that you just signed that offseason also happens. I remember that uh, yeah. the Eagles did it with Hank Baskett one time, the wide receiver, um, and they had signed him during the offseason, and then they traded him like a few months later. Uh, with, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't even training camp yet, I don't think. Yeah. Um, they just went ahead and traded him, and it was like, on, wasn't he just available a few months ago?
0: Yeah. Um, you know what this it. is setting up, though, right? What? It's setting up the 2020 off season? to be the off-season where Chris Greer and company either build a Super Bowl champion or a yeah. team that's going to be irrelevant for the next 10 years.
2: Or they build, like, the Trevor Lawrence team because they've, yes. they're $120 million under their salary cap and they have no talent, no payroll.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I don't think that that's, that's going to happen. I think patience is going to wear thin. I think they're going to go for it next off-season.
2: Yeah, there was already something, I believe, um, I forget who wrote it. Gosh, I wish uh, I wish I remember these things. But um, but there, there might be – they're not inclined to rush to fill up all that cap space with, you know, signings and stuff like that. They might be just more inclined to do more of what they did with Ryan Tannehill um, and what I'm proposing that they do for, for the Buccaneers with Ezekiel Ansah, which is to basically eat other teams, you know, cap space in exchange for draft picks like continue continue to sell cap for draft picks um which would be an interesting philosophy to i mean it's certainly new in the nfl and oh you know, gosh i think we appreciate anything new <laughs> in, yeah. in miami anything that's that's new thinking is is yeah. well appreciated yeah because everybody hates like whatever we've been doing i mean, even though we've been <laughs> doing different things for the last 20 years but um yeah people are people are fed up with the mediocrity so they just take anything new
0: all right you wanted to ask me something about what we learned from the draft
2: that's right i wanted to i wanted to say like now that we step out of the draft it's done it's the weekend is over um we've had we've had our review of the the individual players uh what i mean what do you what did you come away like what was your impression that you came away what did you learn about the team like how did they operated the draft and in a certain way and this was not gm chris greer's first draft as the gm but arguably the first one where he didn't have a bunch of voices barking at him everywhere yeah uh, between like adam Gase and mike tannenbaum uh, and steve ross
0: and the staff
2: uh, and and the staff um you know the they certainly we, – we talked about how they've restructured a lot of things, including what the staff – what their role is in the, in the draft now. Yeah, um, I don't
0: believe that we reported this on, on three yards per carry, but I guess I can now because I, I told you guys on the, our WhatsApp chat. But, yeah, this was the first season in many where the staff did not have a draft recommendation for the first round, and they usually do have one. So I guess they didn't want a bunch of people getting on record. They just wanted one voice, and that one voice yep. is Chris Greer. So I'll tell you what I learned: nothing. Okay, nothing, nothing. Because yeah. I came into this, this. I, I, well, I'm not going to say I didn't learn anything. Okay, I'm going to say that I'm a little bit confused because I came into this draft thinking, okay, they need defensive backs, and they need a premier edge rusher, and I thought that mm-hmm. was going to be the that's going to be the strategy. That's what like, the thing they didn't get. <laughs> They didn't draft a single defensive back, and they didn't take a single <laughs> premier edge rusher. Yeah, I was a little bit surprised by that, too. Uh, okay. So I, I was like, okay, if you want to be the Patriots, you need these two things, and God knows we need at least one of them. Okay? Well, I don't like, think
2: you need a premier edge rusher to be the Patriots, but I do think you need a – But I think sh- you
0: need to put one on the field, Chris, backs. and we don't have one right now. Yeah
2: okay we have Charles Harris and two AAF guys which is
0: <laughs> yeah fun. exactly so so that was part of that was part of me bitching about the Josh Rosen trade I could step away from the Josh Rosen trade and say okay if he's great okay great awesome but you know I do look at it at Josh Rosen part of what we traded with Chase Winovich and I think Chase Winovich is going to be a good pro for so, me it's Juan Thornhill but yeah go on either one either one is fine for me you know uh like either one made perfect sense for me with that pick mm. But yeah, like I'm I came away a little bit confused, but it's becoming a little bit clearer for me now. Mm-hmm. I think that pre-Rosen, they were like, you know, we don't give a crap about this season. Mm. And evidently I was wrong, or maybe I'm right and they're wrong. I love this defensive back group and You do? None of them. No, I'm talking about in the draft. Oh, in the draft.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: No. <laughs> I love this defensive back group, and evidently they didn't because they didn't nope. take a single one of them. Okay, so maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they're right. Maybe it's the other way around. Maybe I was right and they're wrong. We'll see how this maybe defensive they just back didn't group have
2: very many picks. And they just didn't have very many options.
0: Yeah. So you know, I came away thinking pre-Rosen, they were like, you know what, we don't give a crap about this season. Mm-hmm. We're gonna do what we do, what we think best. We're just gonna go, you know. You we're going to stick to our board. We're going to take our BPA, which is Christian Wilkins. And I could absolutely see how they could have Christian Wilkins as their BPA at 13. Like, mm-hmm. uh, and BPA, by the way, yeah, is best, you know, best player available. So, yeah, I I could easily see how they could just say, you know what? We got our BPA. He dropped to us. Let's just take him and be happy with it. It's a, it's a conservative approach, but it's a good approach. You're getting a good player, hopefully. I think you are. So yeah so that's fine with me but you know not doing anything else just strikes me as a team that just didn't care about this season so they Mm -hmm. decided to punt on the season then they get josh rosen and all of a sudden now they're they're talking about spending a couple of bucks here in free agency so Mm -hmm. it's a bit bipolar i think the approach so i guess we're going to learn a lot like in the coming months of what they think now because if they're gonna, you know, try to buy their way to six or seven wins, that's gonna be a little bit disappointing. Because that means they really had no plan, and the plan was being formed on the fly. Yeah, I don't even know
2: how. I don't even know what you can buy at this point um, with with what's available. But I think I think that there are a couple of things actually I took away from it. So I did learn some things, or I, I felt like I did anyway. Uh, one of them is you know, we saw, we, we went over on three yards per carry. One of our episodes, we went over a list put together by our friend, Kevin Dern, and it was a a fantastic list of, of players that Miami has interviewed or privately worked out uh, that have come to Miami for visits, whether they're local visits or one of their top 30 visits. I think what we learned is that um, it may be, maybe there's been a change. I don't know, but in this era, that, that seems to be more of a contra indicator for what for who they're gonna draft because only one guy that they visited with or that they interviewed with or you know showed explicit interest with uh ended up being drafted and um and the rest the rest were guys that you wouldn't have known mm-hmm. that you wouldn't or at least you wouldn't have seen off the list. however, what you did come away with is if you look at um the guys that they ended up pulling. Uh, for the either the rookie minicamp tryout or the UDFA's, are that they're full of players from the from that list. They're full of players that they had on private visits. Uh, Trey Watson, the linebacker, Terrell Hanks the linebacker, um, Aaron Montero they showed interest in Ryan Anderson they showed interest in uh Montre Hardage from the corner from Northwestern they they showed interest in all those guys including uh you know Daryl Langham who's coming in as a tryout wide receiver Daryl Langham and um Javante Dean was supposed to come out cornerback Javante Dean was supposed to come out for a tryout but he ended up being signed before he could try out in Miami so you know they they use basically these visits it seems like they use the visits to develop relationships with players that they're going to try to get after the draft is done when the player has choices and the player can say, well, no, I want to sign with this team or I'm going to sign with that team. So, you know, doing that visit thing and doing and and paying them extra special attention might be part of the strategy of getting them, you know, kind of getting them in uh, ready to sign with you when the draft is done. But as for, you know guys that they brought in as visits and drafting them i mean it was it was i mean they didn't really do that <laughs> they yeah. they the only guy on the list was isaiah prince uh, christian wilkins said he never even met brian flores before um before any of this or before they took him so uh isaiah prince of ohio state had they had shown some interest in him i i believe it was pro day i think. Um, so I think that that's that's one thing that I take from it. Another thing that I take from it is, th- they put together a staff that we've we've gone over many times on uh, on when they were putting together the staff. They have a lot of hardware. Uh, they have a lot of they have a lot of championship rings. Mm. Uh, this staff does. I mean, and not and not just with the Patriots. Okay, you know, guys like Pat Flaherty, the offensive line coach, have rings with other teams, and certainly uh, Jim Caldwell has rings with other teams and um and some of them have college championship rings too and so um they put together a staff with a whole lot of a whole lot of championships and and that sort of pedigree and then their first pick is a guy that has two championships and that's christian wilkins Mm -hmm. and was a big part of those championship teams i think that matters because when you look at it and you look at who they were taking throughout the draft i mean you, you have uh, Michael Dieter and Andrew Van Winkle from Wisconsin. I mean, Wisconsin was only eight and five this year, but they were eleven and one last year. I mean, and the only loss that they took was to Ohio State, which is a team that they love to draft players from, evidently, um, because we've seen it already with um, we've seen it already with Jerome Baker and Raquan McMillan, and now they they get yet another Ohio State player in Isaiah Prince. So they love they love drafting champions. They love drafting winners. Uh, and I, I think even, even, you know, Miles Gaskin, if you look at, look at what Washington has done over the years uh, as a team, um, and he was a big part of that. Uh, I think that, uh, this is, this is a thing for them. This is a thing for them. Drafting winning players.
0: All right. We're going to go to break. When we come back, we'll, we'll talk UDFAs and street free agents. But
1: first these words, you're listening to the five reason sports network. We've created a menu of intelligent and entertaining content on demand for commutes, workouts, and more. And by now, you're already familiar with the 15 different podcasts in our network. Today, we are proud to announce the premiere of our brand new website, 5 On it, you'll find columns from more than a dozen of our hosts, many who are professional writers in the market. Watch original videos from shows like Miami Heatbeat and Balls Cast. Browse our full merchandise shop. And unlike other outlets in the area, there's no paywall. Everything is absolutely free. All of this from a network that's credentialed from all five major sports teams in South Florida. Oh yeah, did we mention that it's free? We're by Miami for Miami. We're sports on your schedule. We're Miami Sports On Demand. We're the Five Reasons Sports Network. Go to FiveReasonsSports.com today. Hey, it's
0: Seth Levitt here from the Fish Tank with my main man. OJ McDuffie, the Juice. And Juice, we've got a special guest over the next two weeks in the tank. What's up, everybody? It's Pat Sertan, and I'm officially diving into the Fish Tank. If he was better than Peyton, yeah. he definitely wasn't better than me. Oh, there so we go. That's so that's what I that's wanted, wanted to get, get Yeah, That's where we're going with it. Did you mm-hmm. and Peyton ever play against each other in high school? Absolutely. Beat him 35-7. Wow. Get out of here. Oh, yeah. I had three rushing and two passing on him, accounting for all five touchdowns. Out <laughs> <That> of <laughs> hands and all of them. Pat came in here saying he doesn't remember stuff, but he remembered I remember that. that. Make sure you dive into the tank to hear our entire interview with Patrick Sertan here on the 5 Reasons Sports Network. You can catch up on what you've missed and hear new episodes every two weeks until July by searching The Fish Tank on Apple Music, Google Play, Podbean, Spotify, or wherever else you find your favorite podcasts. And we're back on three yards per carry i'm afraid i tag i have chris kaufman here and the dolphins seem to have done some pretty good work on picking up undrafted free agents because according to pro football focus they got the fourth and the seventh ranked udfa available in dion calhoun guard out of mississippi state and one of your favorites and i didn't know much about this guy but preston williams a receiver. Tell us about that guy.
2: I'm a little surprised that um, that people are considering Shaq Calhoun, Deion Calhoun, the, uh, the top UDFA. Um, not that I don't like him. I like him a lot. But uh, I'm surprised there isn't more of a consensus, really, that the top UD- undrafted free agent that Miami signed was Preston Williams, the wide receiver from Colorado State. Um, to me, he is a clear number one Uh, as far as the undrafted free agent class this is a guy honestly he's one of the best things that I mean I said this on the last podcast I said that maybe the second best that they thing or you know pick that they made the entire draft weekend might have happened after the draft was over and and I really mean that I mean not that's not a knock on Michael Dieter who was taken in the third round or Andrew Van Ginkle who is our next draft pick taken in the fifth round Mm -hmm. but um but Preston Williams, the wide receiver from Colorado State, is phenomenal. Uh, this is hes six foot four and a quarter. He's two hundred and eleven pounds, so he's a tall, tall guy. Um, and he dwarfs. He—it's funny. You watch him. You watch his tape, and you're watching guys. And you're like, ah, that's kind of a short corner to be trying to trying to cover him. And then you're like, wow, he's six <laughs> one. <laughs> <laughs> um, he makes guys look small. So, um, and and yet he plays fast. I mean, he plays fast. He's got great feet. He's really good on the hoof um he he cuts really well uh I like the way he runs his routes they had a system in Colorado State where you know under Mike Bobo their their head coach they did a lot of um, wide receiver you know combination routes and they did a lot of um switch routes and you know stuff where where guys are um crossing each other right near the line of scrimmage Um, that takes a lot of chemistry that takes a lot of timing it takes a lot of paying attention to uh, to your uh, your footwork and and route depth Uh, he didn't just you know there's a lot of guys out there that are just DK Metcalf three routes right (laughs) that's it Um, and and he's not at all one of those like he is Mm -hmm. he is a guy that runs far more than three routes and uh, and he had a phenomenal year I think I forget what he had like 96 catches for 1300 some odd yards and um, you watch him play, you watch his, his highlight reels. Of course, you're going to be really impressed with highlight reels. He made, you know, Hawaii and air force and San Jose state, those kinds of teams. He looked, he looked like he was dunking on five-year-olds in those in those games. I mean, this is, of course, you know, you'll say, well, those are bad teams. And, but, but that's kind of the point. If you're an NFL player and you're playing those sorts of defenses, you want to look like the guy that's dunking on five-year-olds. <laughs> that's, that's, the yeah. way, that's the way this works. Um, but then you look at the Florida game. And the Florida game, he, ha- he actually had to play some good corners. And, in fact, C.J. Henderson, the corner that he mainly played against in, in the Florida game, might be the best corner in the draft next year. I mean, he's, he's very highly rated for a reason. Um, and C.J. Henderson shadowed him or traveled with him all around the field in man coverage. I mean, wherever, wherever Preston Williams lined up, that's where C.J. Henderson was going to be. And whether it's in the slot or whether it's on the right side, the left side, doesn't matter. Um, he played man coverage against them the entire day, uh, day, and Preston Williams won that matchup. I mean, he had a great uh, back shoulder uh, catch on of him. He had a good uh, third and three little hitch route that he created the space and converted the first down there was another like third and four where he um he just i mean he jacked up he jacked up and chucked uh, cj henderson so bad on a slant route that he had two yards of separation easily on a slant route but um, but the quarterback just didn't didn't find him didn't look for him and on the vertical routes he really had um i mean you could you could tell that he had separation even on vertical routes where there was not safety help. Which is, you know, where, where CJ Henderson. You're like, no, don't, don't let him don't let him be even. Don't let him don't let him have a step on you, if you don't have the safety help. Um, he got, he, you know, he got, he got positioned very well in that game against CJ Henderson, and then he topped it off because, you know, of course this was a bad team. This was a bad Colorado State team. Florida was running up the score, and so at some point in the third quarter. They took uh, C.J. Henderson off the field. You know your day is done, and then they put um, they put another guy on him. Uh, I think his name is uh, is Trevor Dean or something like that, um, and he's one of the top freshman corners in the country right now. And he's six foot three, uh, you know, big time four star recruit, and uh, and and he just was clueless on how to cover Preston Williams. So this was this was two good corners that Preston Williams was facing in this Florida game. And he was, he was making them look silly and you know, he looked like he was not at all out of sorts being there. You know, he's a, he's a transfer from Tennessee. He was, uh, you know, he had some, we'll talk about, you know, some of those immaturity issues and, and, and what he's gone through. But, um, but you know, he's, he's a guy that, uh, that had sort of a checkered past and transferred from Tennessee. So he was in the sec, you know, he's, he's used to that sec competition, but um, but he ended up in Colorado State. So I, I really look forward to seeing him. This is a guy that could be our wide receiver one. Um, and I, I don't know how soon that would happen. But he has that ability. He has the ability to be Miami's, you know, what Devonte Parker should have been and has not been. And so I'm really looking forward to seeing him in the preseason. Did, did you take a look at him at all?
0: Yeah, I looked at him a little bit. I'm on his uh Twitter account right now, by the way. And he is, <laughs> and he's verified. So I thought Twitter wasn't verifying people anymore.
2: I thought that too, but then I saw some like people that I don't necessarily like that that are verified too that I know just happened
0: recently. So I'm, And he calls himself okay, the he calls himself the glitch, which which I think is pretty <laughs> cool. And his uh his Twitter handle is at TH Resort. I don't know what that means. I don't know what that means either. Okay, but he keeps tweeting about unicorns. He considers he consider, he is it's in his uh, Twitter bio. Is are you a well? He writes, "Are you an unicorn?" <laughs> okay, so so it begs the question. Okay, like this this kid is obviously he has a personality. It begs the question: yeah. How come he wasn't draftable?
2: Oh well, that's that's the that's the difficult part because um, you know we've talked about off air in WhatsApp some of the things that he's done in his past, uh, during a recruiting trip, I think he got kicked off a recruiting trip. He was actively, which I thought was kind of a boss move, but, uh, he was actively trying to recruit people to, uh, to Tennessee because that he had decided that that's where he was, he was going. Um, I think there's, there's, uh, hints of, uh, being caught with marijuana in his past, which, you know, who who gives a shit anymore? Um,
1: (laughs) but anyway, uh, and it is Colorado
0: state. So, Right. but
2: I'm, I, And I don't know that that was happening there at Colorado State. I think that was in his early past. Really what happened, so in, in high school he was being recruited and he tore his ACL and MCL in his senior year uh, of of college football, uh, or not college uh, high school football. And so things went really slow for him with Tennessee because of that, because he was recovering from that injury. He had to retake his ACTs uh, all of a sudden to, to get, you know, there were academic problems with getting into Tennessee. So things got off on s- sort of a slow foot. Understandably, he wasn't going to play much or, uh, or do much in that first season with Tennessee. I'm not really sure why he didn't catch on with the coaching staff in the year after that but I do know that after that he tra- he decided that he was going to transfer and he decided to transfer to Colorado State uh, to be with Mike Bobo who had recruited him while he was at Georgia coming out of high school and it was actually when he tore his ACL and MCL you know it was Mike Bobo that was at his bedside um, in the hospital room with him staying with him even though he had already committed to Tennessee. So you know they had a friendship. They had they had a real relationship. So he transferred to Colorado State to be with Mike Bobo, and then he had to sit out his year. And that's where things kind of really went south because he had an incident with uh, his then girlfriend. Um, supposedly he shoved her uh, while she was in his apartment, and then uh, and so there was there were police involved, and there was um, there was a you know I think there was criminal proceedings from that. Um, I think that he uh, he also violated his restraining order with her by calling her like 200 times, like an idiot. And, um, and so so, I mean, there weren't any other physical incidents, but clearly, you know, you're not supposed to call her, then you're not supposed to call her. And he did like 200 times, so that was really stupid he was suspended by the program by the colorado state football program for a while and he stayed suspended for a little bit um but then he he became eligible in 2018 and they unsuspended him and he went ahead and had a fantastic year um but then he he kind of blew his birthday all together i yeah. suppose he ran like a four six one which isn't fast and it's not reflective of what he does on tape he had to do the vertical evidently according to tony pauline he had to do the vertical six times because he kept having his vertical jump disqualified by the scouts i don't know why like what he was trying to do like he was trying instead of a no step vertical he was trying to do a you know like step into his vertical or something like that but yeah he had it, it you
0: know what happens there that's that, that, that's very interesting by the way because a lot of football players can't do it yeah. In basketball, some players can jump off of two feet. Most basketball players need to jump off of one. Mm. And he could just be one of these guys that from an early age, he, he just learned to, to get vertical. You have to jump off of one and you need a running start. So it's really, really difficult for him. A lot well, of it's interesting that it. you mentioned
2: that. It's interesting that you mentioned that because in high school he was the Georgia State champion, sh- champion in the long jump and the runner-up in triple jump. <laughs> and yeah, so, so I mean, I would tend not a guy to, that
0: can't jump. <laughs> yeah. So I would tend to just completely disregard that. Like if yeah, he, like yeah. if he did the like he if he got disqualified 600 times I wouldn't care yeah <laughs> okay yeah. well so because-
2: he got disqualified so many times that the the time or that the jump that they ended up keeping was a 31 and a half inch vertical which is awful. No, that's not it he um, probably jumps and, much higher yeah. than that oh yeah absolutely and you and you see that ability on the field and also his his broad jump which again is a two you know is a standing broad jump with two feet which clearly he's not comfortable with was only like nine foot eight or something like that it wasn't and this is this is a a long jump champion of a state like Georgia too like not like North Dakota um so I mean this is this is a clearly an athletic kid uh that didn't flunked his pro day now the the real controversy I think is is the 40-yard dash uh, only being a four six one because he is a vertical threat, he was pro football focused, they do the college stuff, and he was one of the biggest and most effective uh, deep threats in all of the draft as a uh, as a draft prospect. so why did he only run a four six one at six foot four and a quarter and two hundred and eleven pounds? Well, it's interesting if you go a little bit deeper into that. Something that some scouts like to look at is something called the flying 20, which, um, you know, the the laser readings will give you the splits at the 20-yard mark or at the 10-yard mark, the 20-yard mark, and the 40-yard mark. mark. I don't like the start. I don't like that first 10-yard split, and I've explained this before because there's a lot of subjective – Stuff that goes into when to start the timer, and there's also a lot yeah. of technique stuff that can go into it. And a player can screw up and then add tents to his time because you know because of these weird technical, like he lifted his hand too early, or he rocked forward a little bit, or something like that. But you know the thing about the the flying twenty in this case is he he ran a faster fly. I mean, if you look over the last like five years or something like that, uh, the only player that was taller that ran a faster flying 20 was derail green beckham uh who if you remember was going to be drafted high purely because he was tall and super fast and a big time deep threat Um, and he was one of those three route guys unlike um unlike uh preston williams so he runs his top speed his top speed that's what you get out of the flying 20 his top speed is you know very similar to some of these fast dudes that you see out there like you know paris campbell and um and and emmanuel hall or uh you know uh some other guys that ran pretty good that way miles boykin ran pretty andy isabella had the exact same top speed the exact same flying 20 Hmm. um so so he's got great top speed what the 40 in this case didn't do well with is the track start and I hate the track start I hate it's not a foot for a wide receiver it's not a football move I mean this they they I mean they got their hand on the ground they're they're in this three-point stance they're you know it's odd for them if you look at him the way he starts generally as a wide receiver he's very relaxed at the line of scrimmage, the way he
0: starts, and then very sudden in the way that he explodes. And here's another thing. At the, it's, nothing, at the combine, it's nothing like the track start. <laughs> yeah, on the combine, at the combine, I like that they run it on the field turf because you're going to play on that in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Why are these guys wearing track shoes? Yeah, right. <laughs> like, like, you don't wear track shoes in the NFL. Mm-hmm. I would have you wear your football cleats and run it exactly like they do it at the, at the combine. And if you want to get in the three-point stance, fine. But that track start, first of all, it helps your time. Second of all, you're never going to be in that stance unless you're a defense. Well, and end. some
2: guys don't do well with it either. Some guys, no. I mean, since it's not a football move, you know, some guys just – it just seems very unnatural to them. Remember, remember uh, Joe Hayden? Remember yeah. Joe Hayden, the, the corner from – came out of Florida? now. Yeah, pl- very good NFL corner for a long time. Everybody knows him as, still as pretty a fast good.
0: one. Well, that's still pretty Every- good, I would say
2: still pretty good everybody knows him as a fast corner uh he came out he ran a disastrous time at the combine because of the track start <laughs> you know, he's just yeah he's it's it's not a it's not a it wasn't a football move for him and and he did he did awfully with it a little bit more training he went back to his pro day improved it you know quite a bit maybe a little bit different technique on the start uh so you know some guys just aren't good with that it's not that I scientific testing is kind of important to me with athletic stuff but you can also look and see that there are reasons for this for this thing and for him I think it's kind of just a perfect storm of some of the stuff uh, you know knocking his pro day down and then at the same time I mean you listen to you see quotes by NFL general managers there was one I think Lance Zierlein um, Mm -hmm. quoted him on a, on the NFL.com website, and he's basically said, "Well, my team's not going to draft him because, you know, he he already had the character stuff, and then he went ahead and and sucked at his pro day. So my team's not going to draft him. But I wouldn't be surprised if some other team drafts him in the middle mid mid rounds. Uh, well, no no team did because a lot of other GMs agreed with him and yeah. said that okay, it's character, and now you flunked your pro day. I'm not going to do it." But I think that's a big mistake. I think that's going to be a huge mistake. He's going to be a phenomenal player.
0: But you know what that could be also? A lot of these guys, it's no secret that if you're going to be drafted pretty high, you talk to your agent and you're like, okay, look, the, the combine's coming up in, in about 45 days. We're talking about guys that just finished playing their, their bowl game or, or not. And they're talking about, you know, I got to get into this combine. I got to do, I got to do well at the combine. And sometimes the agent will front that player. You know, the $3,000 that it costs to get into a good combine school. And, Mm -hmm. like, people that are listening to me around are saying, what the hell is this guy talking about, a combine school? It's exactly how you heard it, a combine school. There's these these groups, or I won't say groups, but there's these guys who specialize in training players on how to do all the drills in the combine and and improve at them. And they get good results. Like, a lot of these guys get an extra – tenths of a second in the 40 time an extra couple inches on the vertical they just basically teach them how to do all those things it could have been just as simple as preston williams didn't go to no combine school he just went into all the drills at his pro day cold Mm -hmm. and maybe he blew it off maybe he really didn't care which is that's that's the fear i think that when you have a bad pro day he first
2: off he couldn't go to the combine he was disallowed he was one of the players that was disallowed from the combine along with jeffrey simmons um because of the uh the incident with uh, his girlfriend um so and let, me say, he wasn't let me
0: say that and let me say that it's uh, when you blow your pro day it is a huge red flag yeah because yeah. pro days are designed to make you shine they're designed to make you look like a complete star so yeah, so blow, he blew his he, he, he blew his
2: well he didn't blow the pro day altogether he blew the athletic measurements in the
0: pro day right uh, which which so, suggests that suggests that he really didn't care all that much well
2: yeah he de- he definitely trained and um and his trainer said that he he did about what he expected or something something along those lines so I don't know exactly what he was doing to train I do know that. Um, you know, clearly the track start didn't agree with him, but he reached a top-end speed that would be elite for a six-foot-four-inch player, mm-hmm. um, and that the jump stuff is—I mean, as coming from the experience that he had, clearly he's just not comfortable with that technique. Um, but this is a Georgia State champion jumper, so I don't—you know—I don't see the point. Uh, what I'll what I'll say though is that if you think that he's not a hard worker, and Simon has talked about this a lot. Um, you know, follow him on Instagram, you know, follow him on, follow him on Twitter and and just see and just start investigating him. Everybody around him says that he's a really, really hellish hard worker at football. And on Instagram, every single post is, you know, a video or a picture of him working more uh, of him working out of him running more routes of him, you know, doing cone drills and stuff like that to, to just keep trying and get better. I mean, he cares about football. He cares about football. I'm not sure that he cares about some of the extraneous stuff and that's the, that's the problem with him. He's not mature enough to know what else he needs to care about other than football. And that's hopefully where, you know, just, just getting older will, will help him and seeing how real pros handle their lives and not just the stuff on the football field. Um, but i I mean this is again, we've gone on for about him for a long time, but <laughs> yeah, but it's it's worth it because to me he was like a day two pick I mean that's if we if we would go on about a day two pick for a long time, then we should go on about Preston Williams for a long time because that's what I see him as
0: well, we talked enough about Preston Williams uh, we hope he gets on the field because it's it's a pretty stacked I want to say yeah, stacked. they're gonna cut him now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a pretty stacked, I wouldn't say stacked, but it's Check a full. Twitter, Have they already got him? Uh, no, they haven't. He's I'm really so good there. at this. I'm excellent at this. I curse guys all the it's time. It's a pretty full wide receiver room, so snaps are going to be hard to come by. But if he's a preseason star, he might get mm-hmm. on the field. And, you know, God knows that, you know, this Devontae Parker experiment is going on way too long, so. All right. Now, as far as giving Josh Rosen every chance to succeed, I would say that here in the next few days, they got to be signing a right tackle pretty soon. Yeah. Because, you know, what do they really have right now? All they have is putting Jesse Davis out at right tackle and hoping that the light bulb turns on for him. If More it I doesn't turn if, on for him, then the lights will go out for Josh Rosen. A
2: street free agency. I mean, Jeremy Parnell is the first guy that comes to mind if you're looking for that right tackle. Um, Absolutely. He played under Pat Flaherty. He's got it. He's got a really excellent punch, and that's the thing. Uh, if Pat Flaherty is is good at teaching guys how to punch well, and based on what I've seen from like Chris Reed and Jeremy Parnell and some of the guys in Jacksonville, um, then he is pretty good at teaching that. Then Having Pat Flaherty teach Isaiah Prince and having Jeremy Parnell show him might be a good influence on Prince because that's exact hand use is exactly what Prince needs a lot of help with. I think. I think he gets, uh, you know, I, I think he he's, he gets a little bit conservative with his hands and um, and a little nervous. His hands are very nervous uh, to me. Uh, so, so it'd be interesting to sign Jeremy, but he's he's thirty three years old. Are they in for that? Are they in for the, mm-hmm. for you know, guy, going with an older dude? Uh, you mentioned Ryan Schrader, the right tackle of the Atlanta Falcons. Yeah, that's a, certainly a guy that they'll um they'll think about. I think
0: um, he's, only 31.
2: Right. he's only thirty one. He's only thirty one, right? Uh, and at one point,
0: at one point, he was considered one of the better right tackles in football. Now he's in the sure. trash heap right now because it seems like. Atlanta has next to no interest in bringing him back. Yeah. So, and, and
2: the price might, you know, you got to wonder, because Jared Veld here is a guy is a guy that people talked about as maybe a guy that Miami should be interested in. Gone Barry to New Jack- now. Barry Jackson, the Miami Herald, was reporting uh, days ago that Miami weren't going to be in on him, that they're not in on that bidding for him. And it turns out that New England is, and they're getting him for $6.5 million for one year, which is kind of you know, that's decent money. That's, that's pretty, pretty good money. So you wonder what Ryan Schrader would want if, if he was going to be here Um, Jeremy Parnell might be a little bit cheaper if he's still willing to play. Well, you got to
0: put yourself in Ryan Schrader's shoes. He's 31 years old, which means he has one contract left in him. Okay. mm -hmm. I don't risk my neck for literally, I don't risk my neck for anything like $2 million for one year, one year. So I'm going to right. need a pretty fat one-year payday to justify me going out there. So maybe you give me the opportunity to try to earn my last contract in the NFL. You know what I mean?
2: And they might also just have a really good evaluation. I've been meaning to go over this on the, on the podcast, but they might just have a really good evaluation of Jesse Davis at right tackle. Um, he's only played, believe it or not, he's he's only played like six quarters of right tackle for the dolphins in his, in his history here. And that includes preseason. He hasn't really played it in the preseason. He played it in the regular season against the Carolina Panthers and then for the first half against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in 2017. And actually, I thought he looked pretty good there, especially in the Buccaneers game. That Carolina game was sort of his first game at the position, and you could tell that he hadn't played it in a long time. And um, or in a while, and so, you know, he kind of got better as the game got, got on, and then by the next week, any nits that you had in that Carolina game, he seemed to have, you know, cured by the Tampa Bay game, but then what happened is German, German Bushrod got injured, so they had to reshuffle everything at that point, and that's when he went to right, right guard.
0: Now, another Good? thing that they can do to help this offensive line is maybe get some competition for, for Kilgore at center. I love that. Maybe Travis Swanson, who's back out there once again. Maybe, maybe Swanson, because he played he played
2: all right. He played decent decently well for us um, last year. Um, I don't know. Uh, that's that's a good that's a good question. I think that um, actually Patrick Omame, the uh, the guard that has played with Jacksonville, he played with Jacksonville under Pat Flaherty. And was pretty good there. And we actually looked at him. We talked about him, you and I, about as a possible free agent addition for Miami, I think a year ago. And so, but he went off to the New York Giants where he played right guard instead of left guard, which is what he had been playing in Jacksonville. He played right guard for the Giants, was a disaster. They cut him mid-year. And then he went, he went right back to the Jacksonville Jaguars and played left guard for them again um, and finished out the season. It was all right again, so um he's still young, he's under thirty he's uh you know kind of long armed uh, athletic dude, um, probably reminds me of Deion calhoun actually a little bit i don't, I don't know what you think there, but like if if we need competition for Michael Dieter at left guard that that would seem to be it, you no. Know?
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Now, there, there's no other real – I don't think there's any other position. on Like, maybe they might bring in a running back for camp. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't – you know, God knows they don't need another tight end. And wide receivers already – you know, it's a, full, it's a full wide receiver room. So, I would yeah. say that on offense, they got to be near done yep. as far as adding talent. But I look on defense. Yeah. Who's playing five tech on this defensive line? well right
2: now Tank Aradine and and Jonathan Woodard and Christ and Christian Wilkins Jesus Christ cannot play five tech
0: no he cannot (laughs) are you saying that Jesus Christ can't play five tech in the NFL
2: I don't think he can he can walk (laughs) on water but and there are many things he can do but he can't play five tech
0: that was a that was a reference I don't know I don't know if you got it from major league you remember when he says are you saying that Jesus Christ can't hit a curveball okay yeah no I get it (laughs) all right I look at this free agent list and I'm like Hey, man, there's a few guys in here. Mm-hmm. Man, why aren't we talking about the return of William Hayes to a Miami Dolphins uniform for this season? Mostly is because he makes,
2: he's like 36 and his – He's 34. His, is he? I thought he was 36. 34. But because, because he's – I mean, he's coming off a major injury at that old. That's never a good thing. That's like retirement. <laughs> you got to be thinking about it. That's why Josh Sitton is not here. He, he, he came off a – he was healthy – but he was old and then he had a major injury and now he's retired.
0: <laughs> but if they um, need a body and if they actually care about winning some games, like, isn't he worth a look in camp?
2: I mean, I'd, I'd consider it if, especially if he's cheap, I just don't know, you know, they're, they're not going to want to put him over guys that could be developing so that they're going to pay attention. Actually, what I think is, is not five technique. I mean, we talked about it already. They got at that sort of um, a sort of, you know, uh, rush end type, open end type, uh, type of player, depending on what defense you have, or guys that'll play buck position in this defense. Charles Harris, J. Ron Elliott, who I actually like, uh, but I think I'm the only one. And uh, and Tyrone Holmes, maybe. Uh, I mean, it's it's bad. That's bad, right? That's yeah, that's
0: it's, it's pretty for bad. a
2: defensive end position, a rush, you know, pass rush, uh, a right defensive pass rusher position to just be Charles Harris and J Ron Elliott and maybe Tyrone Holmes or maybe Andrew Vindickel. I don't think he serves that role really. That's bad. So this is why they're talking to Nick Perry and, and something I can say as I've talked to somebody uh, and our intel is that Nick Perry is flying in tonight and that he, he's going to meet with the team tomorrow. Adam Beasley of the Miami Herald reported already that the dolphins were interested in Nick Perry, that they had been talking to him, uh, but he did not know how, how interested, um, so we hear we hear that Nick Berry is already is, is coming in for a visit. So we don't know if that goes anywhere or not, but um but that'll be an interesting thing to keep an eye on. He is a right outside linebacker basically, a pass rusher. He would go right in with Charles Harrison Jaron J. Ron Elliott and actually give us another accomplished player at that position, which I think they, they sort of they, they sorely of need at this point.
0: Now let me give you a few more names. First of all, Jamie Collins is still out there, which is Interesting in and of itself because he's probably. But Miami could have signed him already. Like he was a cut. That's not. That's not a
2: compensatory thing.
0: So it it stands to reason that they have absolutely no interest in him. It seems so. And it's and what's even more interesting about that is that you know his one of his ex coaches is now our head coach. So who would know him more than than Brian Flores? You know what I mean? That's right. And, And Patrick Graham was there at that time, I believe. Yeah. Now a guy who my god what a fall from grace you remember Shane Ray remember when everybody was saying he was gonna be really really yeah I do <laughs> okay he just, he's he, out there any he, interest he just, in that yeah. reclamation project
2: no personally no um I mean that's I can understand why they're why they would go after Nick Perry I mean he's got he's got experience uh, he's still kind of young supposedly he's as healthy as he's been that's what that could be the agent speak talking I don't know um but I think that that would make some sense. We'll see on the price tag and we'll see ultimately how interested they are. I personally wouldn't have a bunch of interest in him. And once once we get beyond Nick Perry, I would I I do still uh, I do still have interest in Danny Shelton because at some point we need somebody that's going to be able to get in there with that zero technique mm-hmm. and you know be a force against the run. I don't know if that's Joey Embu or not um or Devon Godshaw for that matter uh Joey Embu it is worth noting played for you know he was in camp with the Green Bay Packers and preseason with the Green Bay Packers last year when Patrick Graham was there so there's that connection um but uh I don't know if we we have that really taken care of I know that it's kind of a role player position in this defense though so it's Mm -hmm. not like they're going to bid up Danny Shelton in order to to go play it But he did play pretty well in that role with New England last year. So it's worth considering. And after that, you got to look at the secondary. I mean, that corner position is just,
0: Yeah. Now, wrapping that up, uh, do you agree that Kristen Wilkins will lead all defensive linemen in snaps this year for the Dolphins? Yes,
2: 100%.
0: now who will be second? I would say Vincent Taylor. What say you? Uh, Gotcha. Okay, all right. I'm going to go with Devon Gotcha. Yeah, so we're pretty much on the same page. Yeah. Now, you mentioned the secondary. We drafted none of them. Okay, none. <laughs> okay, we liked. We talked about a ton of them that we liked, and we took absolutely zero of them. But if you peruse the free agent list, maybe, maybe they're playing chess and we're playing checkers, because there's some interesting names out there. And one guy who that sounds a- very hope trafficking. <laughs> yes, it is. But you know, right now in this segment, we're operating with you know with the assumption that they want to win football games, right? I hope so. If they want to oh, win football games. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, we really don't know. don't know. But really. let's just assume that they want to win football games. If okay. they want to win football games, there was a guy who had a very good year, a renaissance year for the New York Jets, and that's Morris Claiborne. He's available. Yeah. He's yeah. not going to be cheap. But good cornerback play at 29 years old is not going to be cheap. But maybe you can low ball him and get him in a Dolphin uniform for cheap. And cheap meaning maybe a two-year deal. Any interest? The allure of – I mean,
2: so at some point, these corners, or at least Claiborne, is going to look around and say, okay, who's offering me and what are they offering? Are they offering me a chance to start?
0: Yeah. Uh, his offense can absolutely do that.
2: Yeah. His, the guy he'd have to beat is Eric Rowe, who's got a really bad you know, groin situation. that uh, That's why he ends up so limited. Um, so, yeah, he, it's got to be an attractive situation for him. Uh, haven't we heard that the Dolphins, like the staff, like him? like uh, as a... They liked
0: him a year ago. They liked him a year yeah. ago, and nothing really came of it. but So
2: that would be, that would be interesting. I, and considering know, the know. year
0: that he had with the Jets, man, that, that, was, uh, that was a pretty good spot because Morris right. Claiborne leaving the Dallas Cowboys, he was kind of a bust in Dallas. He had, yeah, I didn't, I didn't think he was that great. He had a couple of nice seasons, and then he quickly just fell off of the face of the earth. Yeah, you know. I, I haven't looked at him enough to say you know
2: how he is in man, but um, because that's our defense is going to be so so heavily oriented toward man. But it's definitely the the top name that stands out at that position. Um, another one that you could think about is you know to get back home to Miami is uh, Sam Shields, and Absolutely. We know that, I was going to mention that. Might yeah, we know that he can play man. He's a little older. Yes, but he, I'm sure he'd love to get back into the city of Miami. And so that might mean dollars and cents. That might mean a cheap, a cheaper contract, which would probably suit them. Um, and he brings immediate coverage credibility because you know that he can get out there on the field and you know he can cover, which is not what you can say about some of these other guys that we have.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Now, to wrap this up, a couple of names that I've always liked. One, I fear that it's, it's probably over, and that's Orlando Skandrick, and we don't need a nickel guy. So I would say no interest there, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm, over it. But one guy that I do kind of like, Kayvon Webster. Uh, he's available. I've always liked him. He well, should he's be not a smart guy, so of course I like him. And God knows we need the bodies, right? So yep. he's a body, and he's only 28 years old. Special teams. Special teams maven. Yeah, that's another thing. So you get the added bonus of having a pretty good special teams player. So, yeah, Kayvon Webster should be very high on their list. I haven't heard anything about that. Have you? No, I have
2: not. But um, but at some point you wonder if you know does a does a Kayvon Webster and I don't some of these guys like Chris Lamons and you know guys like that I I don't really know too much about. But is a Von Webster going to bring you much that um, that Cornell Armstrong isn't uh, or Cordray Tankersley is not coming off even though he's coming out one deep. of the
0: sad, that was one of the saddest sentences ever spoken on this podcast
2: <laughs> Cordier- <laughs> how far have they fallen um <laughs> well, no we'll i gave on webster boy, right that's, in the corner, yeah. Can. yeah that's that's um that is that's terrible bad. um oh well, i should i should i should repent that one <laughs> yeah so at some point you do have to ask what is he because jalen davis could obviously play slot and he's going to be looked at in there bobby mccain can you know tory mcdyer and cornell armstrong do they bring more to the table than than cave webster you know considering that Kavon webster is mostly a special teams guy that can maybe play some corner maybe play some nickel corners and stuff like that Mm -hmm. um i don't know i don't know if i don't know if i'm getting too much at least with sam shields and with court morris claiborne you know you're getting some coverage chops right Mm -hmm. yeah um with with Kayvon Webster, even though I'm a huge fan of his, going back to South Florida, I don't know if we are, and so that's that's the question that I would have.
0: Now I would say that we're kind of covered at at safety because I think we have four four guys that I trust. Okay,
2: you have four guys that you'd put on the field at safety.
0: Well, I'm counting Minka in there. That's that means that. Well, yeah, know. I mean he's he's definitely one of the two. So One's I think who's I think your fourth? Uh, Maurice Smith, I like. I've always liked Maurice Smith. Oh, really? Yeah. I don't trust him. You don't trust him? I think he can play in the NFL. In
2: the field. I think you know the Patriots' coverages. They use three safeties so much, and they sometimes use four safeties. Mm-hmm. So this is going to be, you know, one one guy goes out. You know, one guy goes out, and then and then Maurice Smith or you know whoever's playing, whoever else is playing safety, has to jump on all of a sudden. um I will say this though, uh, Eric Rowe has some some uh experience there for the patriots so maybe maybe he can move but i don't know man i'm i'm like that that position makes me just as nervous uh i don't know if miami would have interest in trey boston who is the guy that everybody talks about but still that's one of the the whole secondary makes me nervous
0: all right one last name before we get out of here for the week the prodigal son returns jamar taylor that, no way <laughs> <laughs> i can't even i can't even run that one up the up the flagpole no no
2: no that, no i'm taking the flag down.
0: <laughs> now if you look at if you look at all the all the nickel types man it's it's a who's who but yeah. i'm i'm afraid some of these guys are like kind of done captain yeah. monelin is out there sure uh, favorite of this podcast sure cody sensible i kind of like but all these guys are like nickel types so yeah I would say no interest on that. So I, I, I'm pretty sure that we covered everybody that we were going to cover at cornerback, and they need plenty of them. I would say, yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean, they they do have some bodies,
2: but some of these guys I've never seen play like Jamal Wiltz and Chris Lamons and stuff like that. But um, you know, Tori they got Torrey McTire. And is he going to develop? I mean, he's fast. He wasn't. Yeah, you know, he looked like he had some promise previously and then he had to play a lot last year and he was the guy that you pick on yeah. um so cornell armstrong what's he going to be like walt Aikens? i i have very little hope for him at this point in his career um that he's going to be a good defensive player as opposed to just a special teamer hmm. um i don't know <laughs> man that's yeah it's you know, not good
0: rest. like maybe they should have drafted one right like maybe maybe they should have you <laughs> know, you wonder <laughs> all right all right that's it Guys, that was – it's been a meaty episode, long. Yep. We covered pretty much everything we were going to cover on every single one of these segments. And so,
2: we're getting it all out of the way now because uh, after this week, we're going strictly vegan.
0: Yeah, yeah. after this week, we're going to start talking horse racing and golf and soccer, okay, as Simon makes his glorious return as his team is yet in another UEFA Champions League final. But all right, that's it. There is no more. We will talk to you guys next week.
1: Thanks for listening to 3 Yards Per Caddy. You can subscribe via iTunes, on Podbean or your usual podcast provider.